Hello there, church family. It's good to be with you today for our midweek discussion as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, the second part there. We're in the armor of God, and today we're looking at the breastplate of righteousness. It was our focus of our sermon uh, this past week. Hopefully you were there. Uh, if not, it should be online uh, by now for you to see. You can always go to our church's website, find the video there. Uh, but also, I believe it gets posted on our podcast as well, the audio of the sermons. And so you can listen to it there if you would like to. But today's just uh, Spencer and myself. We're proving to be the hardest workers. That's who we are. Of the staff. I yep. mean, the other two are gone doing who knows what. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, actually, Pastor Scott has a mission trip this week. Yeah. Helping out a, a local church do right. some work, which is right. great. He's got some adults and some kids planning to do that and so they're they're doing that all this week thankful for that work and uh pastor dave is a away doing something with a with his family uh, yep. today yep. at this time so i'm glad that they're able to do that um but it's just me and spencer so we yep. have the privilege today of talking about uh righteousness a dynamic duo dynamic duo right right yep. yes Shaq and kobe <laughs> yeah there's yeah. other ones that have been close right <laughs> jordan and pippen yeah yeah Isaiah and dumars yeah, um, I don't know. I'm thinking about some others, but yeah, like Pujols and Molina. Stafford and or Cup. Wainwright and Molina. Stafford and Cup. Gosh. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Come on, they won. <laughs> go it. ahead, go ahead. Anyways, so we're looking at righteousness, and Spencer, the way I approached this was trying to do it similarly to how I did with truth, the belt mm-hmm. of truth. And when I preach, I like to ask questions. Um, I'm sure you do this too, Spencer, when you're studying, is you ask questions and then you investigate and try to figure out the answers. And then most pastors, though, then formulate a sermon from that. I use that to formulate my sermon yeah. usually. Um, it just it makes it easier for me to flow, and I hope it helps others as well. But I, I asked a question right off the bat, why is righteousness important? Like why mm-hmm. Paul only includes like five or six things here as the armor, a lot of words he could have used, a lot of things he could have said, started with truth, and then he goes to righteousness. So kind of asking the question, why is righteousness so so important? And the verse that I went to was Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, when he's talking to the scribes. He's been talking to scribes and Pharisees, and he kind of looks and he goes to the people and he says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That had to be pretty shocking. Don't you think Definitely. to the to the crowd? Um, I've heard. I don't know how much study I've done on like Pharisees, and but I've always been taught and told that they were very righteous people. Mm. Um, they come across in Scripture kind of poorly. Yeah, but I don't know if that was really the case for all of them. I don't know. I feel like we're maybe a little judgy on Pharisees. I mean, Jesus definitely does talk negatively at times <laughs> about the Pharisees, so I don't want to yeah. push that aside. But I would have to think there were a good number of Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes who are actually doing that sincerely. Yeah, yeah. I think that's actually part of the, um, a good reminder to us because sometimes we think about Pharisees and Sadducees because of what Jesus is, but because of what Jesus says. And we think therefore that whenever we would have seen a Pharisee or a Sadducee uh, or a scribe or whatever, we would have saw what Jesus saw. Right. But I don't think that's the case. And that's why it was so shocking to the disciples um, because the Pharisees really did externally look like 
really holy people, mm-hmm. really good people, maybe even for good intentions. Like you think about Nicodemus, right? Before he's even converted, um, in John chapter three, he's a Pharisee, a teacher, um, right? And he's um, inquiring about Jesus, but he's sincerely wrong, but he's still sincere. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's just a good reminder. These people weren't like uh, walking around with, I mean, I don't know how to picture it, but sometimes we think about these people as just obviously evil. Yeah, walking around with a snarl on their face. Right. Everybody who comes across them kind of judging them and right. act, acting more righteous and holy than them. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know... I mean, they definitely have certain condescending attitudes that come across in the across in the Gospels, but I think that's. But it would have been very shocking to ordinary people because they really thought these people were the were the, the made of the right stuff, so yeah, to speak. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good reminder to us. That's why Jesus's words were so shocking. Yeah, for sure. And so he just points out, hey, you see these guys who are holy. They're studying. They're studying. Um, the Torah every day, right? right? They right. they know that the Psalm, they know all this stuff, right? See these guys? If you want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, you got to be more righteous than that. Right. What? Like, mm-hmm. I just imagine, you know, being a, a normal guy back then thinking, I have no hope then. Right. Like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to, supposed to do at this point. And you'd have to think the disciples kind of felt that way as well. But it just points to us the importance of righteousness. So righteousness then is a very important thing, and this is why Paul would include it, because it's what it takes in order in order to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And so then when you start to know that, for me, the way my mind works, it's like, well, then there's a problem. Because when I read scripture, and I went to Romans 3, and really the sermon was looking mm-hmm. at Romans 3. Right, we broke it up into I broke it up into three sections, and Paul does a really good job there of talking about righteousness. I felt, um, but the great problem of man, as we see in Romans three nine to twenty, is that no one is righteous. Right, and so it kind of maybe if you read that thing of what Jesus says, right, and you read the rest of the Gospels, and you're thinking, you're thinking in your head, okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be more holy than the scribes and the Pharisees. I'm going to I'm going to go do that. And you're you're like revved up like okay, I'm excited about this and you keep reading. You're like I need to read the rest of the Bible though, make sure I still got all my and you get to Romans and Paul's like there's none righteous, no not one. Mm-hmm. Like wait, what? So I'm going to be like the first ever. Right. <laughs> you're right, right. right. <clears throat> that what a what a daunting task, but that's the problem, though, with mankind. No one is righteous. And Paul says, verse 20 of Romans 3 is, is such a great verse for this, to prove this. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Now, there's a mm. word there that maybe we need to define is justified in this idea of justification, which Paul is laying out here. But Paul, what Paul is saying here is he's saying there is no works of the law that a human can do. There's no good thing that mm-hmm. a human could do to stand before God in judgment and to be able to say, God, because of this thing that I have done or these things that I have kept, this is why you should declare me as not guilty. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, is that a good definition? Yeah, yeah. I think it's the idea is, is you've... The idea of being justified is the idea that you've met all the demands 
that the law requires. You have conformed, whether you've paid the penalty you owed mm-hmm. to the law or you've obeyed its right. what it really requires, and that's what we get in, in Jesus. But yeah, he says, no human being will be justified, will be counted righteous, will be regarded righteous as, as having conformed to God's law um, in his sight. Um, and and um, if I can lead into what you were talking about with your, your part of the sermon, you mentioned a, a, a distinction between, um, eventually you talked about imputed righteousness yeah. mm-hmm. and imparted righteousness. Mm-hmm. One of the things that made me think about is that same distinction is similarly, or, or, a, or a similar distinction is what Luther in his opening of Galatians says his whole theology is, which is he makes a distinction between active and passive righteousness. Mm -hmm. Active righteousness is this Romans chapter, you know, up through verse 20, which is I actively do these things in order to conform to the law. Mm -hmm. But where you're heading is that the righteousness that by which we become Christians and become in Christ is one that's passive it's given to us. Someone else actively accomplished it, yeah. but we receive it. And so I think that's a, it's a similar distinction you were making in your sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, anyway, that's so important though for, for us is to, to understand what the gospel even is, um, is what you were saying in, in the sermon on Sunday and, and, and what Romans is all about. Yeah. And this is the, this really is the linchpin of it all. I yes. would say this is what we talked about Sunday and what we're talking about here really is where, Denominations split. Yes. Where the Reformation happened. Right. Right. You know, and for me growing up, maybe it's different for you, but for me growing up, Baptist, and here, I grew up here at this church. I didn't hear much about the Reformation. Uh, there wasn't much talk about that historical stuff. Maybe it did happen and I just wasn't aware of it and could have been. Uh, but, you know, I, I thought about Catholic Church, new, okay, we don't align with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew it was because, you know, they trusted in baptism, maybe. They trusted in things for their salvation that we don't. Right. We trust in Christ. Um, I'd heard about Luther and stuff, but it was still kind of a Catholic-y thing. Sure. Still kind of maybe a Lutheran thing. Which yeah. Is, we're not Lutheran. Right, right. Uh, Lutherans were like JV Catholics. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so it was kind of scary, I guess. It was kind of sure. like, I think they're maybe against us. Mm. But having the privilege to learn more about it in school, but then also just in study mm-hmm. and, and just being curious about church history and stuff, you start to see that this whole justification thing, which which you can't avoid when talking about righteousness. Um, yeah, there is a difference in the words. You can't. They're not like synonyms. They're you can't. They're not synonyms that you right. can put together. Right. But in in the Bible, you can't talk about one without the other because right. that's what's taking place. So that's why we're talking about justification. Um. But you see, you, you mentioned Luther. His big thing was his life had been devoted to trying to justify mm-hmm. himself before God the mm-hmm. way that the Roman Catholic Church was saying he had to do. Right. And he just felt this great burden of, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. Right. I'm trying so hard, and I can't, I can't seem to accomplish right. this task. And it was such a big issue it caused quite a schism. I mean, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, when was this in the fifteen? Well, it? he he wrote the those theses in 1517, and by 1521, he was um, kidnapped and whisked away. <laughs> yeah, I mean to do over so, this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there was a period of years, but yeah, no, you're exactly right. For the 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 key issue, a couple of key issues, right? Is the Bible alone the final word of God? Luther said yes. Right. 
Yes, this alone, the, the scriptures alone, mm-hmm. which is something we as Baptists would totally agree with. Oh, yeah. This Bible alone is the final authority um, and sufficient authority mm-hmm. for all faith and practice. Secondly, how am I... <clears throat> How am I uh, saved or justified? Well, it's not by active righteousness or this imparted stuff that I do myself. Even if God works it in me, that's not what saves me. It's what Christ did for me on the cross. That his, what he did for me is entirely my salvation. And so we use the phrase of justification by faith alone because I receive this gift only by trusting him not by anything I do to get the gift. Mm-hmm. I just I just receive it as a sinner, and that's, that's, that's salvation. Yeah, and it's a big deal. I mean, and so people might say, man, you're getting really nitpicky, and it's like, no, I'm not being nitpicky. It's, well, I guess I am, but it's because you're talking about the gospel, and you're talking about right. what is it that, saves us and that's a that's a really big deal yes you know and so in our day baptism might be a bigger one there's denominations out there that believe yes by faith i don't know how they would exactly word it i guess they they would say yes by faith you trust in christ but the bible also says then you have to go and be baptized as an obedient as an obedient thing and when you do that that is when salvation comes to you well we would fight against that big time yep because and there's some places I guess you would go in Scripture. One is the thief on the cross. Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise, but you never got baptized, right? Um, anyways, I don't want to get into it. But we would fight against that because we'd say, you're, you're, uh, you're messing with the gospel here. You're adding to. You're adding to it now something else that needs to be done above Christ. You're right. saying Jesus plus something mm-hmm. is what's going to give me everything. Right. Where we would stand, and this is why this is so important, we would say Jesus plus anything messes it all up. Right. Jesus, or if you try to subtract anything from Jesus, yes. you're messing it all up. Right. The answer is just simply Jesus. Right. Christ alone. alone. Right. Alone. And 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 you say by we're, we may be being nitpicky, and some people would see that, but we would we would point them then to like the Book of Galatians, where Paul seems to be pretty nitpicky and says. <laughs> Um, you by adjusting the gospel message, even tweaking it, you are preaching a different gospel. Mm-hmm. You've turned away from this. So it, we, we're, we would pull from the scriptures and say the scriptures themselves are nitpicky, especially on this most important point. Um, to where eventually a guy like Luther would say this doctrine about justification is the doctrine upon which the church stands or falls. If you right. lose this. You lose everything. Yeah, you you have to uphold mm-hmm. this, and you can have a lot of other stuff wrong. Yeah. And we disagree with other believers in Christ on certain issues. Sure, but if we've got this basis of justification by faith alone in Christ alone, well, we can we may differ on other things, and we may go to different churches, but that is the gospel message mm-hmm. we hold in common, and we can work together to some extent, yeah. to varying degrees mm-hmm. with that. And that's why we would hold a guy like Martin Luther up so high, right, and try to read his stuff. And don't get me wrong, there's things that we would read today that Luther would say that we'd say, I don't think we agree with that. Sure. But when we see how God used him in this fight for justification, it it really brings it home because I think everybody in their life faces that battle Mm -hmm. uh, that they walk through with God of, like, trying to earn it. There's a point, I mean, as a little kid even being taught, to be good and to be kind and don't hit your siblings and do this. We we can have in our heads, like, I do this so that God will be happy with me or yes. be pleased about me. And so all of us face that at some point in our life of, of where we finally, our eyes are open to the truth by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, yeah. to see 
those things are important, which we'll get to. We'll mm-hmm. talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. But really what's most important is what Christ has done, finished, and accomplished. And the Bible tells me he's willing to give it all to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if by faith I will just trust yep. in him. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, no, and I think, too, Paul has this basic principle, and this is what's written on all of our hearts, is is we, uh, right, we still naturally, we believe this principle. He will render to each one according to his works, Romans 2, 6. Mm-hmm. We still, by, that's our, that's our um, natural disposition. We understand law talk. You give me stuff in return for work, uh, for what I've done. Mm-hmm. The gospel doesn't work that way. He says in Romans 4, to the one who does not work, but to the one who trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So it goes against our natural way of thinking, and that's why it takes the Holy Spirit to open our minds up to realize the way this whole grace gospel Christ thing that we we call the gospel of Christ works. It's a total... Mm -hmm. It it calls for us to repent, to reorient our whole way of thinking, yeah, I don't know. And here's just the truth. When we face judgment, we will be judged based on works. Yep. That's going to happen. Yep. But the question is, are you going to fall under the line of what Pastor Spencer just read of Romans 2? Are you going to be judged by your works? Because you you have that right to face right. God on your works. Right. Or are you going to be judged based off of Christ's works? Mm-hmm. Because you also have that. That's we, an option. That's an option as well. <laughs> and... Too many people are trying to trust in their works. And as we talked about Sunday, I know it was a simple little mathematical thing, uh, but it was almost flooring to me when I read uh, Ian mm. Duca talk about it. I hadn't thought about yeah. it that way. One sin a day isn't that much. you know. And honestly, if my children just did one kind of bad thing a day, I'd be like, this was a great day. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they only didn't listen to me once. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a good day. And so I would be thinking pretty good, but... When you break that down in a lifetime, he was saying that's like 26,000 sins. Yeah. And so you're going to go before God in your righteousness, in your works, knowing that sin equals death, one. Yep. And you have to stand and say, yeah, I've done 26,000. The rest of the time I was okay. Right. Yeah, but 26,000 times you disobeyed the law Mm. and are guilty of death. Mm. Can you imagine somebody going before our courts today and they're like, you face 26,000 counts of murder, all which have mm-hmm. the death penalty. Right. Good luck. Right. You know Tw- what I mean? 26,000 crimes against divinity. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's one a day. Right. You know, and so we just see our need for what we've been talking about, the imputed righteousness mm-hmm. of Christ. Yeah. And so when we see Paul talking about this breastplate of righteousness, there's really two options of what, he could be talking about, and it's what we've already been discussing. Is he men- Is he saying this as the imputed righteousness, or is this the imparted righteousness that then we as believers now, because he's writing to believers, mm-hmm. so he's not sidestepping that, and I think people who hold to this aren't sidestepping that either. Is he saying now the imparted righteousness that we are living out because of what Christ has done for us? Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm weaseling out of this one, but I would say I think it's... I think it's both. I don't I don't think you can have I don't think you can have one without the other. Right. I think the Bible's pretty clear. Those who are apart from Christ can do nothing good. Mm-hmm. Those in Christ now, because of the Holy Spirit in their life, can. Right. And so we as believers, those who've trusted in that imputed righteousness of Christ, who've who've trusted in Christ, we then therefore should go and live our life accordingly. Yeah. And it's not easy. No. 
but it's something we do. And we see Paul talking about this within within the armor, right? Within the armor of God that he has given us to uh, protect us against the fiery darts, it says, of, of the devil. And so I guess I could talk about it both ways, and I, I kind of did. I don't know, Spencer, maybe you have some thoughts, but if you think of it purely just as the imputed righteousness of Christ, and I mentioned this in my sermon, as Satan throws, as this, as Scripture says, fiery darts at you, temptations, all these different things, <clears throat> there's other uh, key elements that we've been given in our armor that you can use to uh, fight these off, one being the shield. So by faith, my shield of faith, let's say I'm, I'm blocking off darts, right? Just, oh, well, <laughs> one slips through. Right. And if all I had was my faith and one slips through, what does that mean? That means my faith wasn't good mm-hmm. enough. And the picture that I have is because of the imputed righteousness of Christ in my life, that dart's going to hit my chest and it's not going to do anything because my armor, mm-hmm. that breastplate, stopped it. Right. And so just trying to play the analogy out, which I'm sure it falls flat at some point, but if if Satan throws a temptation my way and I miss it and I sin, that's what I think that would mean. I sin. Uh, I fall short. What ca- what covers me isn't the fact that I'm going to do good later. Mm-hmm. It's Christ covers that for me. Yeah. The righteousness of Christ is what covers that for me. And so I have the privilege of being able to go to the Father and say, I know you saw that dart go through. I know you saw that I fell and that I sinned, but I can still pray. I can, I'm can. i repenting of this sin. I'm seeking forgiveness, and I know I have it because when you see me, mm. you see the righteousness of your son, yeah. not, not me. Yeah. Now, I loved that analogy, honestly, whenever you gave that. Um, I thought that was really good. Um, and uh, going back real, uh, real quick, too, to your point about you, you preached it as a pole could be meaning both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought one of the things that came to my, that makes me think, too, is, is um, and this is a good thing about interpreting the Bible, um, not simply for, for people, if, you know, preparing Sunday school or, or being a pastor, but even if you're just reading the Bible, I think one of the things that, that it, it reminded me of is that the Bible, there are times in the New Testament where things are like this. You could have gone either way mm-hmm. with the righteousness. Well, maybe... <clears throat> I don't want to be I don't want to be wrong but maybe there is a time where that 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 generalness is intended by the writer. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, maybe I, yeah. there's mm-hmm. points like that where you're like, okay, I can't be dogmatic either way. So maybe maybe that was Paul's point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um but I, both of them are are so important like like the imputed one is Christ for us outside of ourselves. The imparted righteousness that we live out now as Christians is Christ in us. Mm-hmm. Um now the for us is the foundation for the in us part. We don't want to if we flip those we can kind of you know we can maybe get ourselves into some uncomfortable situations, but but definitely they, they come as a twin package mm-hmm. um, for us and, and Christ in us. And so I loved the the uh, the image that you gave there of those darts getting through because that's so true. Um, because sometimes you're not going to wield the sword mm-hmm. well. You're gonna you're gonna misuse it sometimes, or yep. sometimes your faith is going to falter. But Christ is the one at the end mm-hmm. who always um, protects us. His wrath. Or his wrath, his his righteousness protects us, uh, shields us from the yeah. wrath of God. Yeah, and when you talk about, well, then how could imparted righteousness be the breastplate that protects us? Mm. Well, I, I mean, I see that as well because God, by his great grace, 
when he saves us, he doesn't just leave us in that spot. Right. right. And so hopefully as a believer, you have in your life seen improvement in your life to where you can say, I am more in the image of Christ now. I see how God has changed my life. I see where maybe temptations of old aren't as tempting anymore. I see successes that I've had. And we would contribute all of that again to the grace of God, like him yep. working in our life. Right. Um, but it does empower us. And it does strengthen us to keep going when we see these victories that God is allowing us to have Mm -hmm. in our life. And so you can see where there would be protection in that to, to again, where if one of those fiery darts gets through and I fall, where I can still be confident say, not because of myself, but say, look what God has done in my life so far. I'm his. And yes, I fell. This is a mistake. I'm going to repent of this sin, but I'm going to keep going because Mm -hmm. he keeps working Mm -hmm. in me. Right. Um, and so a lot I, I did see quite a few commentators who who went that route yeah. as well. And like you were saying, I, I think it's a, a both a yeah. both and mm-hmm. there. They they just can't be separated uh, from each other. And what is disheartening is seeing people trying to live out, like we had said, the imparted righteousness without the imputed righteousness. Right. It's a it's a never ending game that right. you're not gonna win. Sure. Uh, it's a horrible place to be. And it's hard it's hard and difficult to see people who just say I have the imputed righteousness of Christ. I'm going to do whatever I want now. Mm. No. Right. I mean, Paul's Paul's very quick on that too. And and that's what we got to there uh, in in Romans uh, chapter 3. Let me make sure I, I read the right one. Uh, Romans 3, 27 to 31. But verse 31 says, Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? He says, By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law now. And so you can't live your life just saying, oh, I got the breastplate of righteousness of christ and mm-hmm. i just let all the darts come mm-hmm. through who mac hitting you know right. stop them all right right no right. paul's like no we don't live that way right right yeah no i mean and then eventually paul deals with that in romans 6 yeah, right in 6 again yeah. you've mm-hmm. you're dead to sin <laughs> right How can you why you know it's like yeah it it doesn't logically make sense you died with regards to sin how can you live in it anymore like mm-hmm. anyway yeah yeah and so uh it's that it's that balance again that I think a lot of people struggle with in their life where we understand that our salvation does not come from us, but yet we have those passages that talk about working it out with fear and trembling. Or we have the passages like Paul in, in Corinthians first Corinthians nine of um, disciplining yourself and running this race. And so we we definitely have all these passages where it's action on our part, like yep. you were talking about, mm-hmm. the active and the passive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very active. Let's go. Let's do. Or even here in Ephesians, what we the sermon we had, stand firm, doing all you can to stand firm. We see this action on our part, but understanding our righteousness, our justification, not our part. Right. Not our part. It's and even part. and even sanctification, well, there, while we are to be, at, uh, Ferguson in one of his books says, we work out what God works in. And so even the power for sanctification mm-hmm. is Christ in us. Yeah. Christ at work through us through the Holy Spirit's life, right? So that is comforting as well, right? The, the wonderful, like he says, you are a new creation now mm-hmm. in Christ. And we have to believe that about ourselves because sometimes we, we still fail and we struggle and we think I'm not a new creation. Yeah. Why do I keep doing this? That's whenever it calls for faith in the word of God to believe that God says, Nope, you are, yeah. you are Christ is in you. You are new. You are born again. So now um, I'm giving you all the resources you need to live a holy life. Now 
I can't remember who I was reading that brought this thing up, but I thought it was humorous. You know, he was saying, you know, imagine <clears throat> Satan attacking, Satan doing everything he can to, to tempt you and to get you to fall into sin. And, and because of what God has done in your life, here you are, puny little human yeah. compared to Satan, and you're having these victories where you're not giving in to temptation, mm-hmm. right? You're you're not floundering. You continue to trust mm-hmm. in, in God. You continue to trust in the armor that God has given you, and how that has to make Satan so frustrated. Yeah, you know, and and uh, it really is a a great picture as we talk about the spiritual realities and the battle that's going on, and that we are engaged in that and we are fighting in that, and God has given us the tools that we need to fight, and. Mm. We are battling against that enemy, you know, Uh, and we have to remember that we are victorious because of, because of him, sure, because of Christ, uh, and we'll continue to be victorious. And I hope that's encouraging, I guess, for people to hear. That's always a hard thing for me to gauge when I'm preaching. I'm, I'm trying to preach something that I think is very encouraging and I get the same look. (laughs) <laughs> all the time you know i'm like is that exciting is it not exciting i would look the same way if I was there too, so I'm not, not ridiculing uh but just wanting people to to see that you know mm-hmm. and to understand that and what christ has done for us really is is beautiful um <clears throat> and so we you know we sang that song i had i had pastor dave sing this song this week um, about our hope my hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness and the song i've sang my my whole life know the words to it yeah but sometimes when you know a song you know you you just say the words you don't think about them all the time and um just studying this that comes to life you know and how it said i I dare not trust the sweetest frame and but i wholly lean on jesus's Mm -hmm. name on him and again i've been singing that my my whole life and that really does need to be our our cry yeah because you know i don't want to trust in the things of this world. I don't want to trust necessarily even how I'm feeling at the moment, my emotions in the moment, whether good or bad, those emotions are good or bad, whatever they might be. I want to trust in Christ alone, as we've been saying. Um, and that's part of the battle that we face all the time is, is reminding ourselves of that, letting God's word remind us of that and living that out, you know, the best we can. It's easy to say, right? but it can be hard, hard to live out. Mm -hmm. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we always, I don't want to say always, but we tend to slip back into that way of I got to prove myself worthy or, Mm -hmm. or we get lax with our sin and we don't take sin serious, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're like, ah, we're all covered. We're good. Right. Right. You know, God, not a big deal. Right. Um, we need to keep discipline in ourselves to, to actually believe what we, what we sang there. Yeah. You know, and that's, I'm glad we were able to sing that song. There was a line at the end. I really wanted to mention it. We were singing it, and I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that part of the song, but I couldn't remember the whole verse. Okay. Maybe you would know it. Do you know the song pretty well? Yeah, roughly, I mean. It says, dressed in his righteousness uh, alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. Faultless to stand before the throne. Because why? Because of Christ. We're dressed in his righteousness. I wanted to say that when I was talking about the robe. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't think of the next line. And I don't know if anybody's ever tried to talk to a big group of people and sing a song in your head at the same time. I know. It's pretty hard to do. Yeah, you're just hoping sometimes (laughs) things come out right. (laughs) Yeah, no, that that song is beautiful. One of the things I love about that song, too, I mean, there's multiple verses of it. Um, Well, there's that one, when darkness veils his 
lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the, the part where it says his oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. Mm -hmm. When all around my soul gives sway, he then is all my hope and stay. Mm -hmm. And that makes me think about that oath, that covenant aspect of our salvation too, where it makes me think about Genesis 15, where God, our salvation, this is what salvation looks like. God puts Abraham to sleep and goes through the pieces himself. <laughs> and Abraham wakes up and God's made the covenant. I mean, that's what salvation is, just yeah. receiving. Right. At, at, at some point, that's a beautiful image. And, and that reminds me of, of what Christ, is pro his promises uh, to us and who he is to us. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, next week we take a break from Ephesians. Uh, it's Palm Sunday, this coming Sunday. And so we'll be um, celebrating Palm Sunday together. And then we'll have Good Friday services on Good Friday at 6 o'clock uh, with an Easter egg hunt after that. And then and then it's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Wow. And so we'll be preaching on that as well. So a little break for, I guess, a couple weeks uh, there. And then we'll get back into, mm -hmm. into Ephesians. So... Looking forward to that. Encourage you guys uh, to invite family and friends to church. I would say that always, uh, but during Easter, maybe they'd be more apt to come uh, along with you, and the gospel will be presented and, and shared, and we will be praying, and hopefully you will be as well, that God will open the eyes of the blind uh, that, are, that are here, and that he will do that work that he's been doing for a long time in the life of believers. And so we'll continue to trust in that work. So hopefully this was helpful to some point for you, some extent. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again, like I said, this coming Sunday, Palm Sunday. God bless. Have a good week.